All right, brothers and sisters, if you will, take out your Bibles with me. And let's go to Mark chapter 6 today, starting in verse 30. Mark 6, verse 30. As you're turning there, last week we had our Father's Day picnic. And we thank the Lord that the weather was as it was last week and not as it is this week. We were blessed with good weather that past week. But the one thing I always remember from those things is the food. I don't know about you, I always remember the food. Well, Mr. Mark was up here earlier doing our communion meditation. And I thank you, Mark, for that excellent communion meditation. But I'm going to talk about Mark for just a second. He didn't know I was going to do this. Mark has an uncanny ability to cook wonderful food for large amounts of people. An uncanny ability, like one of the best I've ever seen. If I am going to cook like burgers or chicken for, for two people, I'll mess them up. They'll be too overdone, too underdone. They'll be dry as a bone or something. They will usually not taste good at all. And Mark can cook for hundreds of people. And it's fantastic every time. I mean, it's wonderful. Legitimately, I'm not just blowing smoke, if you will. Now, as Mark does this, I'm sure he has quality meat with good grills and spices and all the rest. And with all of that, he can work up a fantastic meal for a couple hundred people. Well, today in our text, Jesus will feed 5,000 people with much, much less. Indeed, with almost nothing. Today we come to the feeding of the 5,000. A miracle so amazing that other than the resurrection, it is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. Other than the resurrection, the only miracle of Jesus is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Let's read it together. Mark chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 30 down to verse 44. This is God's word. Mark writes, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. 
5,000 fed by so little. Now, I said before, kids, I'm going to need your help in this sermon. So kids, watch me for a second. I need your help today. And I'm going to ask for your help multiple times during the sermon. Kids, every time I ask how many loaves of bread did they have, I want you to shout out the number. How many loaves of bread did they have? Five. Five. You say it out loud. Five. And then I'll say, how many fish did they have? And what do you say? Two. Two, okay? So I'm going to ask you different times, how many loaves of bread did they have? How many fish did they have? And I want you guys to tell me the number, okay? Now, everyone, I want you to notice verse 30 in our text before we get into our main points. Verse 30, it says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Now, this refers back to verses 7 through 13 in this same chapter. Verses 7 through 13, when Jesus sent out the apostles two by two, he gave them authority to heal diseases and to drive out demons. And he sent them each on a a kind of missionary journey, if you will. And they returned from this missionary journey, and they told Jesus everything that they had done and taught. And you can imagine this is a wonderful time for them. They're coming back to Jesus, and they're saying, it worked. We can't believe it, but it worked. Like, we did this. We healed people. We drove out demons, and we taught people about your word. And, of course, they they had opposition here or there, but they're probably overjoyed to tell Jesus that the authority that he gave them, it was real. The power that he gave them, it actually did something. It was real. But as they come back, you can imagine they're also tired. They need a break, and Jesus realizes this. And this leads us into our first of four points today. I want to show you four things about Jesus today from our text. We're going to see today the selfless compassion of Jesus. Then we're going to see the miraculous power of Jesus. And then we will see the multiplying ministry of Jesus. And finally, we will see the endless store of Jesus. And so first, I want you to see the selfless compassion of Jesus. And it begins with verse 31. When his disciples come back, the apostles, Jesus' concern is for them. His concern is for them. He knows they need a rest. And so he says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. As they had returned, it says many were coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. And so they need to get off by themselves. And so what do they do? They get into a boat. And they leave the crowds and they go across the water to try to find a desolate place where people aren't so that they can rest and so that they can eat. But what happens? Well, the people saw them, verse 33. The people saw them going. They recognized it's Jesus and his apostles. And so they book it to where they see they're going and they beat them there. They beat them there to where when they land, what is waiting on them? Not the desolate place of rest, but crowds of thousands. The disciples just got back. They need a rest. They need to eat. And here is crowds of thousands. Now as Jesus comes off the boat and he sees the crowds, what is his reaction? Does he get frustrated? Does he cry out to the Lord, can we not just have a moment to ourselves? No. He sees them with compassion. And he sees that they're like sheep without a shepherd. All of these people, they've been chasing after Jesus. And instead of getting frustrated that he doesn't have time to rest, he says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. 
They need me. They need a shepherd. Now notice, this isn't my main point today, but notice that when he sees that they need a shepherd, what does he do for them? He teaches them. He teaches them. That is what they need. They need the teaching of Jesus. They need the truth. And they need the message of God. The hope that that truth brings. And so as sheep without a shepherd, they need a shepherd. And they need a shepherd to give them truth. They need a shepherd to teach them. And that is what he does. But I want you to notice primarily here his reaction of compassion to this crowd who shows up. When he and his disciples were looking for rest... And they were looking for time away from the crowds. You see, our selfishness, our selfishness comes out in a number of ways in our lives. One of those ways is in regard to our time and our schedule, if you will. One of the things that really frustrates me is when I have an issue that takes almost the entire day to deal with. The entire day. And all the other things that I had planned on doing that day are shot. And part of the reason that this is so frustrating to me is that I have come to believe that my time and my schedule are my own. I have come to believe that. That my time and my schedule are my own. I forget all the time that when I signed up to follow Jesus, I signed away control of my life. When I signed up to follow Jesus, I signed away control of my life. My time, my schedule, my everything is now God's for him to do with it what he wants. And you know what? Sometimes what he wants is to interrupt our nice, comfortable lives. And to interrupt our productivity. And to bring into our path an opportunity for us to sacrifice ourselves for the good of someone else. Sometimes that is what God wants for us, despite our own plans. Jesus and the disciples were tired. They were hungry. They were trying to get alone. But God had other plans for them. And Jesus, instead of getting frustrated, welcomes the interruption. He welcomes the crowds. And he begins to teach them and to give them his time and his energy from reserves that you wouldn't think he had. His time and his energy from reserves that you wouldn't think he had. You see, when God brings an interruption to you, you might be initially frustrated because you think, I'm tired. I don't have the resources for this. I don't have the energy for this. I need rest. I need to go somewhere else. But you know that in those moments, when God brings an interruption, God will also provide the energy that you need to do his will. You remember Jesus in John chapter 4. He and his disciples are traveling to Samaria. They've been on the journey for a while. They haven't eaten in a good while. And so Jesus sends the disciples into Samaria to buy food. Jesus says, I'll wait here for you by this well. And there he meets the Samaritan woman. And throughout that conversation, Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman about the living water that he can provide for her to make her soul not thirst as it has been. He talks to her about her life. He talks to her about how he is the Messiah who was to come into the world. 
And after that's over and she runs back into town, the disciples come back out with food. And they say, Rabbi, eat something. They know he needs to eat. Rabbi, eat something. And he looks at them and he says one of my favorite lines in all of the Bible, I have food to eat that you do not know about. I have food to eat that you do not know about. And they look at him and they say, who brought you food? And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And so it is literally as if Jesus is looking right at them and saying, I'm fine. I don't need to eat right now. I did before. I don't now. I've been filled up. And they think he's gotten some food somewhere. What he's gotten is he's gotten the satisfaction and the contentment and the strength and the energy and the recharging of doing the will of the Lord. And then he's fine. He's okay. And he means it. He's really okay. Some of you know what this is like. Some of you might not. But I'm here to tell you, if you are truly a Christian today, and if you are truly a follower of the Lord, doing his will is more recharging than anything that this world has to offer. Yes, there are times where you need a rest. Yes, there are times where you need to get alone. That's not what this is saying. But doing the Lord's will is more recharging than anything else. And when the Lord calls you to do something that you don't think you have the energy for, he will give it to you. And you will feel recharged in a way that you didn't even think possible. He is able to give us more than we ask, more than we can imagine. And so I want you to see here first the compassion of Jesus, the selfless compassion of Jesus who finds the crowds, they were on their way to rest, and yet he sees them as sheep without a shepherd and takes the interruption as a blessing, as an opportunity to minister to them. Second, I want you to see today the miraculous power of, of Jesus here. The miraculous power. When it became clear that it was getting late, that they would all need food, a crisis arose, an emergency. They all needed food and it was a desolate place. Kids, how many loaves of bread did they have? Five. They found five loaves of bread and how many fish did they find? Two. Five loaves of bread and two fish. But verse 44 tells us there's 5,000 men. 5,000 men. Matthew 14 actually tells us explicitly this was not including the women and the children who were there as well. Now some people will read that and say, well that means there had to have been at least 10,000 to 15,000 people there. Not necessarily. We're not told that detail. And we're not told whether or not there was mostly men coming out to hear Jesus and there were only a few or some women and children, and so that's why they counted all the men and not the others, we don't know. What we know is there were 5,000 men with some more besides. And so there was over 5,000 people. And Jesus takes the five loaves of bread and the two fish, and with it, he feeds them all. With it, he feeds them all. Do not pass over how astounding this is. Do not pass over how astounding this is, what Jesus does right here. Have you heard this so many times that the wonder of it has begun to wear off? Don't let that happen here. Don't just pass over this and dismiss it as old news or something that's so familiar it's not that big of a deal. 
We have a Savior and Lord who can do the impossible. He can do the impossible. He can break the laws of nature. He can break the laws of physics. No one in the history of the world could have done this. No one in the history of the world has ever done anything like this. If you were there, you would be raving about it for the rest of your life. Brothers and sisters, let this hit you. He fed 5,000 people with enough food to fit in my hands right here. Just in this book of Mark so far, as we have gone through Mark, just in this book of Mark up to this point, Jesus has healed unhealable diseases and physical disabilities. He has cast out demons and demonstrated his authority over them. He has raised someone from the dead. He has calmed a storm by commanding the winds and the waves to be still. And here he takes, kids, how many, how many loaves of bread? Five. And how many fish? Two. Five loaves of bread and two fish. And he, he turns it into enough food to feed over 5,000 people. There has never been anything like this. There has never been anyone like this man. Why? Why is there no one like this man? It was because he made all of this. He made all of this. It's his to do what he wants with. He rules over it all. All the subatomic particles and atoms and electrons in the universe submit to him and do his will. And so whenever he wants to calm a storm, it's just a matter of deciding to do so. The weather is under his lordship. The weather outside right now is under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It submits to what he wants. When Jesus wants to raise a little girl from the dead or heal a disease, it's as simple as him willing it to happen because every cell in our bodies is under his lordship. Every disease that we have, every disability that we have, every cell in our bodies is under his lordship. And when Jesus wants to turn a small amount of food into enough to feed over 5,000, the atoms that make up that food and the ingredients and everything that makes it up, they obey just like the wind and the waves and the cells in our bodies. They obey him. He does whatever he wants with his creation. There has never been anyone like this man. It's all his. He rules it. And that is our Lord and Savior and brother. That is our Lord and Savior and brother. And so we see the miraculous power of Jesus. Don't just go over this and say, okay, but what new can we learn from this thing that we've heard a hundred times? No, it's, it's right there. His miraculous power, he fed over 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Let it hit you. And so next, I want you to see the multiplying ministry of Jesus. The multiplying ministry of Jesus. There is an important lesson here for us that we will miss if we don't pay attention. Jesus asked them after he had said, you go give them something to eat. And they said, that's absurd. We couldn't buy enough. Jesus says, well, how much do you have? Kids, how many loaves did they find? How many loaves of bread? Five. And how many fish did they find? Two. That's right. 
And so they scrounged up five loaves of bread and two fish. In John's account of this miracle, we learn that this came from a boy who was there. A boy carrying some food. Perhaps it was his lunch or the lunch for him and those around him. And when Andrew presented it to the Lord, Andrew said, But what is this among so many? It's a good question. What is this among so many? It's kind of like if if I kept all you guys here for the entire day and evening came and we were all hungry and then one of the kids brought in one little package of goldfish. That's what we got for everybody. That's laughable, right? That's laughable. What is that among so many? There's no way that's going to even make a dent in our hunger. That's what this was like, except probably more so. It's laughable. What is this for, for so many? But in the hands of Jesus, this little bit was enough. This little bit was enough. Jesus takes such a small amount of food and multiplies it into more than enough to feed over 5,000. You see, no matter how little that you have to offer to Jesus, he can take it and multiply it to do great things in his kingdom. No matter how little that you feel like you have to offer Jesus, he can take it and multiply it and do great things in his kingdom. He can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, Paul says in Ephesians 3. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Think about that. And so however much you imagine that God can do, however much you have prayed for, he can do immeasurably more than that. And so... One of the implications of that is, let's, let's try to think up the biggest things that we could ask God for that might be in line with his will. And let's ask for them, because he can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. But no matter how little you have to offer, he can take it and multiply it to do great things in his kingdom. Do you have what seems like an insignificant amount of natural ability or talent or skill? Like, I'm not good at anything. Offer it to Jesus, and he can use it to do great things in his kingdom, just like he did with Moses and his stammering tongue. Do you have hardly any physical energy or ability at all? Offer it to Jesus, and he can use it to do great things in his kingdom. Do you have so little money that giving an offering to the Lord seems like it would be a waste? Like the amount of money that you have in the presence of all these other people is like like the, the five loaves and two fish. Well, look at what Jesus said about the poor widow who put in two small copper coins. Do you have almost no experience doing a particular ministry? Offer yourself to Jesus and see what he does with someone who can't rely on themselves but must rely on God and his strength. Do you have... A small amount of faith. Do you have what you believe to be a small amount of faith? Remember Jesus said that faith as small as a mustard seed was enough to move mountains. And so if you feel small and insignificant with nothing really to offer God, that's exactly the kind of person that he delights to use. Because when that happens... He gets more glory. In fact, Paul tells us God intentionally works this way. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 27, says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So when the Lord works through people like that, people look on, others look on and say, well, God must be powerful because there's really no way that could have happened with that person other than the power of the Lord. Jesus can take our small, meager, insignificant offering of our talent or our time or our energy or our skill or our experience or even our faith. And he can multiply them into something immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Finally today, from our text, I want you to see the endless store of Jesus, the endless store, or you might say endless supply of Jesus. The apostles suggested sending them all away, right? It's the best they had, the best idea they had. Let's send them all away so that they can all go get food for themselves. But Jesus knew they needed something much more than food. There was something they needed more than food. Because we know, we know from scripture, man does not live on what? On bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man does not live on bread alone, so we need something more than that. We need the words of God. That's what we live on. And that's true. You might not believe it, but that's what the Lord says. The Lord tells us that you don't live on bread alone. What you live on, what you live on is every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now that means a couple different things. Number one, it means we live on this. We live taking in the word, right? But it also means we live because God pronounces words that give us what we need to live. If the Lord didn't say rain, we'd get no rain. If the Lord didn't say the words, you wouldn't have what you need to live. We depend on him. Man really does live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus knew what this crowd truly needed was not food. What they needed was him. And that's what they had come for. They had come for him. Now they, they need to be fed with food. They, they do need that. But what they truly need, what they need most is him. So he says, no, they need to stay. We need to keep them here. Here is where they're going to get what they need. I am the only way they can get what they need. They are sheep without a shepherd. And that's the lesson for us today. He is everything we need. But he is everything we need and so much more. He's everything we need and so much more. He is, Jesus is, the bread of life. John 6, the bread of life. He is the bread that comes down from heaven. He is our strength. He is our sustenance. But I want you to see here, his store never runs out. It never runs out. Now, kids, here's a different question. How many baskets full of leftovers were left? Twelve, right? Twelve baskets full of leftovers at the end. Twelve baskets full of leftovers. He fed 5,000 plus, and at the end, there was plenty more to feed plenty more people. 5,000, 
No big deal. We had enough here to feed 10,000. We had enough here to feed 20,000. Who knows how much food they had that they could have fed. And we know, because it's Jesus, it could have gone on and on and on and on and on and on, no matter how many people were there. Twelve baskets full of leftovers at the end. Think of what this must have been like for those in the crowd that day. Because they were there. They were there for him and for his teaching, right? They were there for him. They were there for his teaching. They, they saw Jesus and his apostles going across the boat, so they, they follow him. Let's go get him. They're not, they're not thinking about food. They're thinking about Jesus. They were seeking him. They were seeking the truth. They had likely forgotten all about food until someone mentioned it. And then, just like that, they were fed. It was taken care of. He just took care of that part of it. And that's how it is with the Lord. That's how it is with God. In fact, Jesus promises to us that's how it is with God. Listen to Jesus' words from Matthew 6, 31. He says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the ungodly, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. And so Jesus tells us, don't concern yourself with all of those things. Don't concern yourself with all of the temporal needs that you have. All of the physical needs that you have. Man does not live on bread alone. He lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so if you go seek that, do you not think that God won't give you the bread that you need? That God won't take care of your physical needs? Do the work that the Lord has put in front of you. Seek him And he will take care of all the rest. He will take care of all the rest. He'll just take care of it. The people weren't even thinking about food, and all of a sudden it's just taken care of. Why does Jesus tell us to have the faith of a child? Well, part of it is they're not worried about that stuff. It's just going to get taken care of one way or the other. Jesus tells us in that same Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6, God takes care of the the grass of the field. He takes care of the birds of the air. Aren't you much more important to him than those? Of course you are. Then trust that he's going to take care of you as well. You just worry about seeking him and his kingdom and his righteousness. Understand this, brothers and sisters. You can never ask too much of him. You can never ask too much of him. You will never exhaust his resources. You and the billions of others who are going to him for their needs, he is supplying everything. And not not only to the billions and billions of humans on the earth, but to animals and plants as well. Our God is an endless source of everything that we need. Endless. He has more than enough. Scripture tells us his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Every single morning you wake up and you find new mercies from God. We read in the Bible that his steadfast love endures forever. It never runs out. It endures forever. You will never ask for more than he can give. You will never use up all he has, even with billions and billions of people asking, even with God taking care of the needs of billions and billions of people with animals and plants, you will never ask too much of him. He has life in himself. He is a never-ending source of comfort for the grieving, of strength for the weak, a never-ending source of rest for the weary, 
of truth for the seeker, of provision for the poor, of joy for the brokenhearted. And he is a never-ending source of forgiveness for the sinner. Forgiveness for the sinner. You can never outsin his grace. You can never outsin his grace. There is no sin that you have committed that the blood of Christ cannot cleanse. And there is no amount of sin that is too much for his grace. No matter how much you have sinned, you can always come to him in humility and repentance and faith. You will never exhaust his love. You'll never exhaust his love. But, but, it is not simply given to everyone. Yes, God provides for the entire world. Yes, Jesus tells us he sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. He gives and gives to so many. But scripture tells us his steadfast love is for those who fear him. His steadfast love is laid upon those who fear him. His love is only given to those who submit to him in faith. And so that is the question for every single one of us today. We cannot simply say just because I'm a human being, I'm under the protective care and the love of God. No, his steadfast love is for those who fear him, who have submitted to him in faith. Have you done that this morning? Have you submitted to the Lord in faith? Have you come to him through his appointed means, through his son, Jesus Christ? Have you confessed Jesus as Lord of your life? Have you given your heart and your sins over to him? And if not, you can do so today. There is no amount of sin that you have committed that the blood of Christ cannot wash clean. You cannot outsin his grace. Right now, I want to give just a few moments to all of us to pray. We do this every week for the purpose of responding to the Lord. Every single one of us needs to respond to the Lord. Here in just a little bit, we're going to do an invitation where anyone who needs to respond in a public way can do so, but not all need to respond in a public way. But every single one of us need to respond. Every single one of us need to go to the Lord and respond to what he has just spoken to our hearts. And so I ask you to do that now in these few moments as we pray silently, individually. And then after we pray for a few moments, we'll come back and we'll have that invitation time where those who need to respond in a public way can do so. Let's pray.